have their own method of transportation, so they use them a lot. And I know some of you went ahead and went online and, and made your offering um, to, to the Philippines. I appreciate that. If you want to do it online, the same thing is true. If you just go uh, make sure that you tag it Philippines. If you want to use a credit card on the machine out here, if you turn in a receipt, tag it Philippines. But I just want to ask you guys, uh, if you would. We, so the pictures, those are actually from this morning. Those are from about a week ago. That's one of the new ministries. Remember, I told you the new one is called Faith Baptist Missions. But so Pastor um, Woody texted me this morning. That's a little. That's a young boy. There, there's one right here this morning. I wanted you to see because it's already it's already Sunday night over there. They're they're pushing Monday, so they've already those seven girls right there were saved this morning. So that's a new work. That's one of the new ministries. I actually have a building there. But, you know, I showed you the pictures. If I usher, if I get you guys to come on down. Because for two weeks in a row, I've been going to, we're, we're, we're going to make an offering to the Philippines from the church to help support those guys and to help get their transportation vehicle fixed and to help with the building that we talked about. And I told you, it's the same, it's the same as even what Benjamin was just talking about. It, it's, not a, it's not a beg for money. It's not at all. You do what the Lord wants you to do. I'm just giving you an opportunity to help in the Philippines if you want to. Pastor Eric, Pastor Woody, or, or our two, I guess you'd say Filipino nationals, Filipino pastors. Those guys do a phenomenal job. Uh, they got several ministries, several churches going. They go out, they plant new churches. They train up a young man, put him as a pastor, and they go start another one. And it's just, to be honest, it's a blessing. It's an honor. It's a joy. To be able to partner with those guys in the work of the Lord. So if you would, I'm going to let them just go ahead. You guys can go on if you would. Um, and, you, and you do what you want there. Whatever you put here, we're going to send to the Philippines to help out over there in that ministry. Visitors, I want to I tell you guys, thank you so much for being here with us. I understand that there's a lot of great churches, a lot of, a lot of different things in LaGrange, a lot of places you could have been, you chose to be here. There, there's, there's a packet of information in the pew in front of you, if you don't mind. If you take that out, all the information there is yours. There's a red card, it's a, a connect card, if you don't mind. I'd appreciate if you'd fill that out. If you got time after the service to come down front, I'd love to talk to you, get to know a little bit more about you. If not, you can put it in the offering box, you can put it on that faith visitor's table, you put it where you will, and I'll get it after the service. Next Sunday, we will be doing a spaghetti lunch here. It's a fundraiser for the middle school program. Y'all guys going to be cooking spaghetti? Y'all wave your hand. Y'all cooking spaghetti? Yeah, somebody's cooking spaghetti. Y'all cooking spaghetti? They're going to be cooking for us. So it, it's, it's going to be a get it and take it home kind of deal. You can go down there. Um, I, I don't remember on the part of the memo. Is it just a, you make a love offering as you want or do you guys have a set price for the lunch? I see Dale back there pointing at something. I tell you what, we're going to figure this out. Is it $10? So it's a preset. $10. There you go. So cash, card, check. Doesn't get much simpler. However you want, right? But all of this is going to be for the middle school going to mix to help support them um, and, and what they're doing there. The following Sunday, we're going to have a fellowship here. March 17th will be a membership Sunday. I mentioned to you a couple weeks ago. I know I never say anything about church membership. I really, I really don't. I'm a firm believer in church membership. I'm a firm believer in being a member of the local body. I really am, but you never hear me say anything about it because I don't believe it's my job to talk you into where you ought to go to church. I don't believe it's my job to show you that. I don't believe it's my job to sell membership here. But almost every single week, somebody comes up and asks a question, how do you join this church? And we get them with Miss Sylvia and take care of the necessary things. But on the 17th, we're going to do a membership Sunday. So for those of you that have asked, that'd be a great Sunday for you to, to sign up. I'll have some people down front 
to get the information. If you come in by letter, they'll get your information on that. Um, if you want to, if you want to join prior to it's not like you got to wait until that day. But we're going to do it, and then we're going to have a fellowship. We normally do our fifth Sunday fellowship, but the fifth Sunday is Easter Sunday morning in March. So we're going to do that on the seventeenth. So if you guys will bring some vegetables, um, whatever side you want, bring some desserts. We'll have the drinks and the meat down there. If you don't bring anything, we're going to drink something. We're going to eat some kind of meat. But but I'm I'm really all about some kind of dessert. So if you forget the vegetables, it's okay. We'll forgive you. But bring bring something to snack on afterwards, right? That that'll be on the 17th. So really, for the next two Sundays, you ain't got to decide where to go to lunch. You ain't got to get it all figured out. If you, next Sunday you can just get spaghetti here, and that's for these guys that are headed down to the middle school church now. <laughs> and then the following Sunday we'll be eating here on campus. Um, Monday, March 18th, that'll be the very next day. I'm going to need some help, you guys, if you would. I appreciate the help. Several of you have come out during the week, and certainly some helping next doors. We've been doing some remodeling, as Benjamin talked about, in the youth sanctuary. We've also been changing a lot of floors. Some of you got to see them in Sunday school this morning. We've changed some of them. There's still a lot to be done. Um, Lord willing, we're going to pick up some buildings for Judgment Journey tomorrow morning and be back with them and get the floors finished up on Tuesday. And then the following Monday, we're pulling this stage out and redoing the stage. A lot of this, I want you to understand, a lot of the projectors, a lot of the things that are being done, the new computers in the back, a lot of things you don't even really know, but a new computer there, they'll have a new sound system computer next week. A lot of these things will help us every week and it'll help us in our online ministry that where, where so many people use. But to be honest, a lot of it's forward thinking as well. Everything that we're doing now is a preparation for He's Alive 25. Just so you know, we ain't forgot about it. I know we don't get to do it in 24, and I know we're pouring the efforts into the woods trying to get, which is, which is becoming a million-dollar project now. We budgeted $750,000, what we ask you guys, but it's, it's quickly becoming a million-dollar project to rebuild Judgment Journey. But in the process, we haven't forgotten he's alive. They were meeting today, building new costumes and talking about selling those things in the stage. But on Monday the 18th, if you guys, if some of you could be here on that day, would be great. We can have all this probably torn out and gone by lunch. And after that, it's going to take a few minutes of head scratching to figure out what we're going to do. And we'll build it back. And hopefully we'll have a stage by the next Sunday, right? Uh, man Church tonight at 6 o'clock. Don't, don't forget about Man Church. Um, talking about knowing God. If you are here last, last week, it was great. Great start back. That was a little too long of a window in between. Um, but hope you guys can be here tonight at 6. I have no idea what we're eating. I don't see Alex, so we're not going to worry about it. Show up. Alex will have something. Where is Alex? Oh, he's hit over in the corner. We eating? Oh, yeah. That's all you need to know. Oh, yeah. It's a Baptist church. You already know the answer, right? So I, I'm going to need four volunteers right here. I'm going to need a single. The first four in line right here. And y'all don't, don't all run at one time. I need four volunteers. I need somebody to come on up. I'm not setting you up. I'm not going to do anything dirty to you. I just, I just need four folks right here to help me out with something. That would be four. So if you guys don't mind, I need you to get right there between that, that first pew. Y'all just get side by side right there between that first pew. So, so here, here's the deal. We, we've got four bags. I'm going to put these right here, and I'm going, to, I'm going to take these gold coins out. And I was going to give you a $20 bill, but I decided somebody would have something to say about that. So I'm just going to give you a shirt. We'll, we'll give you one of the shirts. But, but here, here's, here's what I need you to do. I'm, I'm going to dump these out. I'm going to dump them right here on the floor. And I need for you to run up here and grab one of these bags and pick these coins up as fast as you can pick them up and put them in that bag. 
and the one that has the most coins in the bag wins. Fair enough? Ladies first. Do what? What'd you say? Ladies first. Do you get first? Yeah. Ladies first? If you have the most coins, it is. I'll tell you what, two steps forward, you get a head start. How about that? There you go, ladies first. Now, now the rest is up to y'all. So there's four bags for you. I'm going to dump them. <laughs> Whoever gets the most wins. But now here's, here's the secret. The coins has got to be in the bag. Now, they can't be in your hand. They can't be in your pocket. can't be stuffing your shirt and all that. The coins has got to be in the bag for them to count. Y'all ready? All right, I'm going to dump them. When they hit the floor, you go. You ready? Yeah, put me out of food trough. <laughs> oh, wait. Just got the back don't, 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 don't. Stay in the bag. Up. Uh, what in the world? Left side of the bag. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Nope. I love the way y'all improvise. Wait a minute, y'all put them up. I gotta know who's got the most. You put yours over there, y'all spread them. I see who's got the most. The some, some, something, something oh, that they don't know out there. Chunky bags. Uh -huh. You got chunky bags. Yeah, oh, something man. they don't know out there about your bags. <laughs> I was picking up the same coins over and over. <laughs> so, how many you got? It's the only one that got hold of you. <laughs> oh, that looks like a pretty clear winner. <laughs> It might be because he's the only one that didn't have a hole in his bag. So bad now. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you come up and knock the lady out of the way to get it. All right. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. My pile kept getting smaller and smaller. So, so, so what size? Large. Large. Medium. Medium. So large. Okay. I feel bad. I did y'all wrong. Y'all had holes in your bag. What size y'all want? Medium. Huh? Medium. Medium. So, so the winner gets one of the rest of Consolation Prizes. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, one inch. Got one inch? Huh? Got one inch? Yeah. Yay. Medium or large. Don't matter. Whichever one you want. That was the slowest. That's what I got, so how about that one? So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I, I, these are, I've got this handful of them left over. Um, and I know several have asked about these shirts. These were a giveaway. We gave them to everybody before. Um, 20 bucks is high for a T-shirt, even a good T-shirt. But that's going to be your money for judgment journey. Everything will be judgment journey. So I've got that handful left. If you guys want one of those, you want to ask if you come down, I'll get you one of those afterwards. How about that? So, so here, here's reality about the bags. I appreciate you guys' help. I really do. Um, <clears throat> I didn't mean to sabotage. Well, I actually, I did mean to sabotage you with the holes in the bag. Um, but, but, you know, the, the reality is everybody had the same size bag. Everybody did the same kind of work. Everybody did the same amount of work. They, they put forth the same effort. But for some, the effort is in vain because they had a hole in the bag. Randy said, I kept picking up the same coins. <laughs> He was putting them in and going out at the bottom. He's picking them up and putting them in, not realizing. So, so the, effort, the effort was in vain because they had holes in their bag. Today, people are living frustrated lives because 
They're, they're trying so hard to attain stuff and do all this to gather stuff, but, but they've got holes in their bag. So in life, rather than, than repair the holes, we just learn to improvise. You know, even though they, they didn't know at the beginning, it didn't take long to figure out. And to be honest, there's not a sizable victory here between the one that didn't have holes because they learned to improvise. They laid them on the ground, put them in, picked up both ends, some held the bottom. But see, that's what we've done in life. We, we've learned how to improvise around the things God's trying to do in our life. We, we've learned how to just make do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I want you to turn with me, Wood, to the Old Testament book of Haggai. Haggai who? Yeah, Old Testament. Easiest way to find it is probably just go to Matthew and back up three books. You'll find it. Haggai, he gives us a very precise timeline here uh, of the writing. He, he tells us that, on, that it's on the first day of the sixth month of the second year of Darius the king. So we know exactly when he wrote it. What that tells us, this is a, a post-exile message. This is written to God's people who have grown complacent when it comes to the things of God. And what he says, Haggai chapter 1, beginning in verse number 4. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put them into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. So I want to look for a few minutes this morning on the subject of sewing up holes. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, for your love in spite of us. Thank you for a mercy that just keeps on God and a, a patience, a long-suffering God. Thank you, Lord, for that we can come as your people, brothers and sisters in Christ, redeemed of the Lamb, washed in the blood, come together to learn something about your word. Thank you for this precious book, God, this love letter that you gave us to live by. I pray, Father, would, would you teach each one of us something this morning, continue to move in this place, help us to walk out having learned something to make us a better servant. We love you, God. You've been good to us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So Haggai's words here in verse number 4 are a pretty fitting response to, to who they're written to. They're a pretty fitting response to all those who have time for anything and everything else except for the Lord's house. They, they have room for pleasure. They have room for business, but they don't have room for the things of God. They, they have time on their hands. They have time for family, time for friends, time for hobbies, time for games. But, but they have no time for the things of God. They willingly devote hours into studying and practicing and, and perfecting and preparing to try to be the absolute best at the worldly things and the, the things, the ambitions of life that they hope to achieve. But they have no desire to devote their time to the kingdom of God. Notice the issue here is a bag filled with holes. Now, just before the issue and just after the issue, God says the same thing. Consider your ways. So what we have here in this passage is a description of a person living, person living a frustrated life. Verse number six, he gives us some of the reasons for the frustration, but, but the reasoning is both preceded and followed by the instructions 
Consider your ways. There, there's a reason that people are frustrated in life. There's a reason that, that there's holes in our bags. You know, there, there's many people in the world today. And I'll say Christians refer to themselves as Christians, but, but they never seem to have enough of anything. The, the text says that, that you've sown much, but you bring in little. You, you, you have not enough. You, you, you eat, but it's not enough. And, and you drink, but you're not full of drink. And you clothe, but, but you're not warm. And you earn wages, but it's never enough. It's like you're putting it into a, a bag with holes. He said you're working and you're doing all you can to possess worldly things. You know, the Bible tells us, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, that we're to be content with such things as you have. But contentment's not a very popular word in today's society, is it? I was, I was thinking about something. You know, honestly, Jesus did not tell us to be content. When Jesus preached the most powerful sermon ever been preached, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and we have the Word of God, Jesus is teaching us, and what Jesus told us, he said not about contentment, he said in Matthew 6, that we're to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's all he said, seek those things first. And then he said all these things will be added unto you, yet every day thousands of Christians are living frustrated life because in their minds they never have enough. We have a father who loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son to die on Calvary's cross for one reason and one reason only. That's to keep me out of hell. That's to keep you out of hell. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son for us. And that same father who loves us so much owns the cattle of a thousand hills and everything else. Amen. So, so we know that supply clearly is not the issue. The supply is available. So in context. Haggai's purpose for this writing here is to rebuke the people of Judah because they're so involved in their own interest that they don't have time for the things of God. They're, they're so involved in their own affairs, so involved in sports, so involved in hobbies, so involved in the things of the world that they neglect the things of the Lord. So Haggai uses the example of nice houses. I want you to understand something. God don't mind you having a nice house. If he did, you wouldn't have it because God gave it to you. God gave you the health, the ability, the job, the work, everything you have. So God don't, don't mind you having nice houses. That's not what the text is talking about here. That's not what the prophet is even talking about. He's just using a house as an example. He asked the question, is it right for you to live in nice homes while the house of God lies in ruins? He said, is, is it right for you to spend all your time building and expanding and remodeling and upgrading your, your, your physical house while the house of the Lord lies in waste? So God uses the description of a physical house to try to help us understand something about our spiritual house. He is challenging the spiritually lethargic to consider our ways. Here's the eternal principle. God does not mind us having stuff. God don't mind you driving Cadillacs or Rolls Royce or wearing Rolexes or having nice stuff or big houses. God don't mind none of that. God, God is the author of the stuff. God, God is the one that, that holds stuff. So God doesn't mind us having stuff. He just wants us to be obedient in every area of our lives so he can give us stuff. 
He tells us in Malachi, and I know he's talking about some financing and tithes and offerings, but that principle is good throughout everything in the Word of God. It's, it's true with tithes and offering. It's true with obedience. It's true with sowing in the things of God. What he wants to do is be obedient so that he can open the windows of heaven and pour us out stuff, blessings that we don't even have room to receive it. Jesus didn't just say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus prefaced it with this statement. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or, or wherewithal shall be clothed. Jesus said, don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about where, where the water's going to come from. I can give you manna from heaven and water from the rock at Horeb. Don't, don't, water, don't worry about those things. He, he, he said, don't, don't worry about the clothing. But he says in verse 32, after all these things of the Gentiles seek. And, and then he says, your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. God made us. He understands what we need. He understands it's our. He says, your father knows that you need all these things. And he's already told us he don't mind giving you any of these things. But here's your secret. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God don't mind us having stuff. He, he, he doesn't say there's anything wrong with having stuff. He doesn't say there's anything wrong with even wanting worldly stuff. We just have to want God more. That's all God is looking to be is the priority in our life. So here's the question. If we're working our fingers to the bone and we're trying so hard and still there, there never seems to be enough stuff. That there's not enough money. There's not enough peace. There's not enough joy. There's not enough happiness. If we don't have enough, then there must be another problem. If the necessities, the things that we want seem to not be being provided, and we understand that God has all things available, then we seriously need to consider our ways. And, and here's the question. Is God's house first in my life? Here, here's the really hard question. Is God's plan for my life my ultimate agenda? Am I more concerned about the things of God or the things of this world? Am I more concerned about earthly desires or heavenly desires? Am I more concerned about building onto my earthly home or my heavenly mansion? Are God's kingdom and his righteousness really my top priority? You know, people love to quote Philippians 4.19, and that's okay. It's great to quote scripture, but you can't claim it unless you're actually living it. See, Philippians 4.19 right here says that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. You know what that means? You don't have a need that he can't meet. You don't have a desire that he can't fulfill. I mean, he, we already know that he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So there's nothing that God can't do. And, and what Paul says is, my God supply all your needs. But that's what Paul said to the Christians at the church at Philippi because of what they're doing. Number one, they're taking care of the missionary, which is the apostle Paul himself. But here's what Paul says about them. He says, their poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality because they first gave themselves to the Lord. You can read all about it in Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. It meant so much to him. What the church at Philippi did meant so much to Paul that when he wrote to the church at Corinth to deal with some issues they were having, he complimented the church at Philippi. He wrote back and he, and he said some things about him. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1. He said, moreover, brethren, 
We do wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That word wit means to look at. I want you to look at the churches of Macedonia. I want you to pay attention. I want you to focus on the church at Macedonia, which is the churches in and around Philippi. He says, I want you to pay close attention to them. And here's what he says about them. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, those two things don't even go together. How do you put those two things in the same sentence? It, the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Well, what that means in simplicity is we received way more than we would have expected from them because they had so little. Paul says in this great trial of affliction... They had an abundance of joy in their life. I'm not going to get into some deep word study here because that'd be a whole sermon. I'll just make it simple. Paul says in their deep poverty, they didn't have anything. Really, I guess in comparison, they're like the widow woman at Zarephath. Her, her barrel of meal is wasted. There ain't any more in it. Her cruise of oil is run out. There's not any more. They, they have nothing to share. They have nothing to offer. Everything is empty. Yet they willingly and cheerfully give to the work of the Lord. They didn't just give of their stuff. They gave of themselves. Verse number three, for their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. They were willing to give. They were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and, and take upon us the, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So, so Paul says that they were willing to give out of their poverty for our comfort. This they did not as we hoped. But first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now that, not as we hoped. If, if I take that with my Western world mentality and I go, well, we were, we were taking up an offering and, and they gave a little bit, but not as we hoped. In our Western world mentality, that means we were hoping to take up thousands and we just got a few dollars. That's not at all what the Apostle Paul said. That's not at all what the Apostle Paul meant. What Paul said was, you know, we understand their poverty. We understand the situation that, that they're in, and, and we, we had hopes that they might could find some way to add some assistance to the church at Jerusalem, but they gave more than we could have ever hoped for, and they gave of themselves. For that reason, when Paul writes a letter to the church at Philippi, to them he said that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. It's okay to quote scripture, but we can't claim it if we don't fit the bill. Many people are like the words here in our text. They, they, they work and they work and they work and they're, and they're trying to obtain, but they never seem to have enough of anything because the bag's full of holes. James said, chapter 4 and verse 2, you lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not. And he said, because you ask not. But verse number three says, but sometimes you do ask. Y'all can see the way it's written, so y'all understand. I'm paraphrasing. Sometimes you do ask, and you don't get what you're asking for. And here's the reason why. You're just looking to waste it on yourself. You're just looking to pile on what I've already given. You're asking that you may consume it upon your lust. See, that's what, that's what Haggai is talking about. He says you got your focus on all the, the wrong things. You're too busy working for the things of the world while the things of God in our lives are going to waste. He said you do what Jesus said. 
You, you put the things of God first in your life. And God will supply our every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's nothing too big and nothing too hard for our God. Anybody say amen. amen. But we cannot neglect the spiritual dimension and expect God to bless the secular dimension. We can't ignore the things of God and expect God to just park the Cadillac in the driveway tomorrow morning. So Haggai's task in writing this here, his task is to awaken a people that were buried in, in spiritual apathy. They've become so obsessed with obtaining the things of the world that they've all but forgotten about the things of God. So, so Haggai challenged the spiritually lethargic to consider their ways. So that, that's a really good message for the casual Christianity of today. That, that's a really good message for the take it or leave it concept of Christianity today. That, that's a really good message for the occasional Sunday morning go where I'm, I'm a Christian. But put no effort into the things of God at any other point in their life. You know we've looked the last couple weeks at pressures. We, we left off um, a couple weeks ago at at pressure to fish, we, we've looked at how God has prepared us to not just live under pressure, but to be able to thrive under pressure. And two weeks ago, when we got to pressure, we left off with, with the Mariana snailfish there in the bottom of the ocean under his 15,750 pounds per square inch of pressure. And we left off with this question, is anybody dealing with pressures in this life? Is anybody going through anything that you feel the pressure? And, and if you do, come to the altar and we're going to do something special for you. And, and we were just going to gather around and pray. You didn't know that, but that was the reality. But at that question, this altar was packed full of people because everybody's dealing with something. If you're not, you just got out of it. Hang on. It'll be right back. It ain't gone for long. So, so we, we looked at, at dealing with, with pressure and, and, and how we are to thrive under it. And, and we, looked, we looked at the fact that there, there's a reason for the pressure. If God is allowing pressure, that there's a reason for it. The, the holes in our bag are a result of an improper focus. So two weeks ago, after the altar call, we, we gathered around and, and, and we prayed for those under pressure. But this morning, I, I want to make sure that we understand something about the pressure that we spent a couple weeks looking at. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number 2. God told Jeremiah, arise, go down to the potter's house, and there will I cause you to hear my words. Now, pay attention. Pay attention to what he said. God said, I want you to get out of your house. I want you to turn off the TV. I want you to get out of your lounge chair, get out of your easy chair. I want you to take off your cozy britches. I want you to get dressed. I want you to go somewhere because I got something I want to tell you, but I ain't going to tell it to you here. I got something I want to show you that's going to be of much value, but I'm not going to show it to you here. I want you to go down to the potter's house, and when you get to the potter's house, then I'm going to show you something. So Jeremiah got up. He went to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. That means that when he got to the potter's house, the potter was working on something. The potter had some clay and some water, and he had the spinning wheel going. And he's working on building something. It says that, that he wrought a work on the wheels, and it says the vessel that he made of clay was marred. That means he already had a vessel, right? 
When he got to the potter's house, there was already a vessel under construction. And it was obviously a noticeable vessel. It was something that could be recognized. It wasn't still just a lump of clay. This was a vessel. And it said the, the vessel that he had made was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel. But here's the key. As seemed good to the potter. See, that means the potter had already made something, but he had to make something else. Now, what I really wanted was how somebody with a spinning wheel to come up here and do some artistic work for you. I, I was hoping how the spinning wheel here and how somebody working while I'm talking, but I couldn't find that artist, so it's going to be me and some Play-Doh. Y'all good with that? So, so here, here's reality. It says that when, when he got to the potter's house, that the potter was, was working and he already had some, some clay on the wheel and he's working with it and working on it. And it don't say what he made. He just made something. And, and it says that when he got there, it was obviously a vessel. Don't be sticking to my floor down there now. I need to work with this. And, and he's working with it with his hands and he, and he made something. I don't, I don't know what he made. I just know that whatever he had was, was, was a vessel. So maybe he had a bowl, right? Y'all, that was more like an ashtray. <laughs> drink coaster, how about that? So we have a drink coaster. He's working on something, and he had a vessel. And, and what he says is, is that when I got there, he had a vessel, but he marred the vessel in his hand, and it says that he wrought a work that he could make it into another vessel. And, and so I can only imagine, man, I don't roll good on that. I can only imagine that Jeremiah is working on or Jeremiah's watching as he works and, he, and he's making something new. Now, now we understand that he already had a vessel, right? We, we understand that something was already made. Who made it? Who marred it? Then it sounds like the potter changed his mind, doesn't it? I don't know so much as he changed his mind, but maybe he needed one vessel for a moment. And then maybe he needed another vessel for something else. Huh? No, I don't think it's an imperfection at all. I think he just changed his mind. Here, here's what I believe. I believe a master potter, if he had an air bubble in the clay or anything else, I believe he could work that out. He's a master potter. I believe he could take it out. And to be honest, imperfections a lot of times just leave little marks. And they're the beauty of what separates something from something else because they have imperfections. If you ever look at potter and study, you'll see sometimes that they have things and it'll be a different color. But sometimes that's what makes a piece valuable. But because it had an air bubble or it had something in it and it made it and it made it so different that you can never duplicate it again because it had something in it. So I don't think it was that it was an imperfection. I think he just marred it because he wanted to make something. And he changed his mind. And for whatever reason, he decided he wanted to make something else. So he marred the first one. And it just says he made it into something else. I don't know what he made. But it says that he made something else that seemed good to the potter. So he made something else. Y'all TV work? Y'all screen work? Where'd your screen? Where'd your screen go? Y'all can't see that, can you? Oh, can I pick it up? I can't pick it up. It won't work. All, all, all I know was that he had something. And what he had, he looked at it and, and he marred it. Now, now, let me ask you a question. What did it take to make the first vessel? Pressure. What did it take to mar the first vessel? 
pressure. What did it take to make the new vessel? Pressure. But, but it's not a hammer and a nail kind of pressure. It's not a sledgehammer and a concrete kind of pressure. That's not the way God deals with us. It is the kind of pressure of a kind and generous loving God trying to shape us into something better than we are. You know, I preached a message from this passage in Jeremiah. I don't remember when it was, but I, I, I want you guys to know, I'll make this clear. You all know that I never preach to you and I never preach at you. I preach what I learned this week. I study and God shows me what, what he wants from me. And then he gives me this crazy opportunity to get to share it with you. I don't know why God does, but I do remember this. When I studied this passage in Jeremiah, I, I remember the thing that I learned that means probably more to me from that than anything else that I learned from it. You know what it is? Is that if I'm under pressure, if I'm on the wheel, I'm in the potter's hands. So, so the problem with so many Christians is that they don't want to be what God wants them to be. They have their own agenda. They, they want to be successful in this life. They, they want to earn things in, in this life. They want what they want in this life. They, they're not really interested in the things of God. They want to be saved, of course. Nobody wants to go to hell, right? They... they, they, they they want to go to heaven. They just don't want to do anything in the process. Well, they, they want to go to church every once in a while. You know, especially maybe Easter and Christmas. You know, I mean, you got to hit the big two and, and, and maybe on grandma's birthday. They, they, they want to maybe listen to some Christian music every once in a while if the right people are around, you know. I mean, that sets the standard. makes you look a little better, right? They, they, they've got things they want to do, but, but, but they don't want to be what the potter wants them to be. So sometimes the pressure gets harder because the clay is fighting back against the potter. Listen, the clay doesn't have a right to decide what it wants to be. The potter gets to decide who you are. The potter gets to decide what your life's supposed to be. The potter gets to decide whether or not you're, you're the job you are or a preacher or, or, or a missionary overseas or a Sunday school teacher. The clay doesn't get to decide. The, the potter is the one that shapes it into what he wants. So pressure is not without a reason. The pressure is applied to help fix the holes in our bag. The, the holes in our bag are simply a result of us wanting the things of this world more than the things of God. So the more we yield to the pressure, and the more we desire the things of God, the more we seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the smaller the holes become, and the fewer of them. So verse number six, Haggai says, you've sown much, but you bring in little. It's like the harder the people worked, the less they seemed to have. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The, 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 more they, the more they tried, I mean, you feel like you're doing a lot more work than you have to show for what you're doing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I ain't this by myself, Emma. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but it's just, it's just not enough. You put clothes on, but you're just not warm enough. You earn its wages, but you put wages into a bag that has holes. You, you know, you don't, you know what I really want? I want God to help me get my focus right. I want to figure out 
how to surrender myself and be exactly what God wants me to be. And not in bits and pieces and the parts of you, but, but, but what does God want in all of it? I, 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 want, I want God to help me sew up some holes in my bag. And I understand that, that God will help me if, if I seek his will, if I seek, if I, if I put him first. If I just take the scripture, I make things so complicated when God made it so simple. Seek ye first what I want you to do, and I got the rest covered. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and quit worrying about the stuff. I got the stuff covered. I know what you need. I know what you want before you even know you want it, before you even think about it, before you even ask me for it. I already know what you want. I already know the desires of your heart. I know those things. And I want to give you those things. But you got to get some things right in the heart first. I want God to help me get the things right in my heart first. I, I want God to help me be exactly what he wants me to be. Now, God says here in our text, before and after, he says, consider your ways. That means look at your priorities. Sometimes, sometimes people just need to get their, get their priorities right. And put the things of God first. But can I give you can I give you another one for free? Sometimes it's not that you did anything wrong. It's not that you've got your priorities out of whack. It's not that you've committed some sin against God. It's not that you're living in sin. It's not that you're dabbling in something you shouldn't be dabbling. Sometimes it's not that you're doing anything wrong at all. It's just that God has a plan. And it involves changing you. And sometimes it takes pressure to get us to realize something in my life ain't right. God's trying to show me something, and the pressure changes. See, when, when Jeremiah got to that potter's house, and he had a vessel, that vessel hadn't done anything wrong. That vessel hadn't sinned. That vessel wasn't being greedy. That vessel, vessel wasn't trying to do things outside of the will of God. The potter just decided to make it something different. Sometimes in our life, we're going through pressure. It's not because you're living in some great sin. It's because God's looking to do something great in your life. God's got a great plan. And you're part of it. God's got something that he wants to do in you, through you, and for you. But sometimes it takes pressure. So it seems like life is always pressure. Sometimes... Sometimes it is a problem. Sometimes I'm so busy, I'm so greedy, trying to get the things of this world. I got to have more of this. And I, I want to be rich and I want to be famous. And I want my children to be successful and ball. And, and I want everything of the world that don't matter a hill of beans. And sometimes that's what the holes in the bags are. And we're working tirelessly to achieve nothing. And God says, I can help you fix the holes in the bag. You just got to get your priorities right. So in reality, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I've got holes in my bag and God's trying to help me fix the holes or if God's just trying to change what I am. 
it still takes pressure to change. For the pressure is never without a reason. It's never without a cause. It's because God loves us so much that he wants to make something special out of us in this life. In the process of it all, he stores up rewards in the kingdom of heaven for us. Isn't God amazing? I want to ask you guys if you stand. I, 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 I never know. I know what God gives me. I know the things that God pricks my heart. Here's what I don't know. I don't know who in here has got holes in your bag and you know what they are. And you need to get them fixed. You need to get some things right with God. And I don't know who doesn't have holes in the bag, but you're under pressure and you know it. This altar was full of people under pressure. That part I know. And a lot of you are under pressure. It's not because you did anything wrong. You're not at the wrong job. You're not living the wrong life. You're not, you're not with the wrong friends. You're not at the wrong church. You're, you're not working in the wrong ministries. God's just looking to change something. And it's pressure. So the simple answer or the simple question is, God, what's the pressure for? What's the pressure for? Help me recognize what the pressure is for so that I can start working on being what you want me to be. So if you guys want to talk to God, the altar is always open. It's never been closed. I can remember a time in my own life. When I, when I literally said, God, I don't know what I did wrong. But if you'll tell me what it is and let me put it under the blood so we can move past this. I didn't understand God was looking to do something different in my life. I thought I was doing all I was ever going to do. God had a different plan. And I literally asked the question, what did I do wrong? Anybody know what I'm talking about? God was just looking to do something different. God needed me doing something different than what I was doing. So if you're dealing with pressure and you really don't know why it is, you come ask God, what's the pressure for? What's the pressure about God? I just want to be in the center of your perfect will. Anybody want that? There's a place called the center of God's perfect will, and that's where I want to be. I don't want to be left. I don't want to be right. I don't want to be close to it or almost at it. I want to be in that one place. I want to ask you to bow your heads right where you are for a minute. I wonder if there's anybody in this place You've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's more than just simple pressures you're facing. You're separated from God and on your way to hell. But God made a way out of that, the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I'm the way to the Father. The Word of God tells us there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. His name is Jesus. You know, about 12, 14 hours ago, it was Sunday morning over in the Philippines. And those seven girls, all they did was ask the Lord Jesus to come in their heart and forgive them of their sin. Father, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my heart and save my soul. That's all they did. And there's seven young Filipino girls on the way to heaven because they trusted Jesus Christ. It's the same way you're going to get there today if you're going to get there. For everybody in here that's on our way to heaven, we're there for one reason. Because we trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Asked Him to save our soul. And He washed away all of our sins so that old things passed away and all things became new. That we became new creatures in Christ. If you're going to get saved right here in this church or right out there on live stream or whatever day of the week or whenever it is you see it. You're going to get saved one way. 
His name is Jesus Christ. Father, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart and save my soul in Jesus' name. And if you're faithful to ask, he's faithful to save. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's the Holy Spirit that's dealing with you. That's the pressure. That's what you feel on the inside. Go ahead, guys.